Welcome to Backsliding to Glory, a progressive Christian podcast and community. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome to Backsliding to Glory. We're your hosts. I am Joel. I am Megan. And we are Backsliding to Glory. Hello, Megan, and a very happy birthday. Thank you. It's my favorite holiday. It, so uh, <laughs> I've noticed, and you've, you've joked about it online, but I have noticed that you, like me, uh, my mother raised me this way, you are a, a birthday month celebrator. Oh, you, yeah. It's the festival, the season of Absolutely. Megan. Absolutely. You know, I wasn't like this. It's funny because my own mother, like, once she had kids, it was just sort of like, eh, I don't really, yeah, I'm older. I don't really do birthdays so much anymore. Me, I'm like, what? My whole life is about my kid. When it's my birthday, it gets to be my birthday. That's it. It's like the only thing that's me now. Yeah. You know, it's the all Megan holiday. It's not like Christmas where it's all about the kid. It's not like Easter where it's all about Jesus. <laughs> it's me. So, yeah, I'm really into my own birthday. <laughs> like, no jokes at all. It It is one of the things that I was most heartbroken for the first couple of times I actually met a member of the Jehovah's Witness. I oh, thought to yeah. myself, you don't have birthdays. <laughs> you yeah. don't get birthdays. What I, a um, shame. <laughs> I know. It's, I, I, I mean, I respect everybody's right to do their thing, but, man, I don't know. I just really feel like God wants me to have a birthday. Otherwise, God wouldn't have given me one. Uh, so I will say that it, like, it's a perfect opportunity, though, to remind yourself, though, that, that we, we are supposed to live lives that are not self-centered. We're supposed to live, mm-hmm. live lives that are centered on others. And sure. I, I think you do a fabulous job of service on a day-to-day basis. Your job is, is one of service. Your uh, hobbies and pursuits tend to be ones mm-hmm. of service in one kind or another to your community and to your fellow man. And so why not? Like, why not have a day yeah. where you go, hey, I'm not too bad. Does everybody, no, everybody yeah, remember it's like, that? It's fun. It's a me day. Come on. You guys like me. Though I do confess I still. <laughs> I'm bad at I, I'm bad at actually completely keeping the celebration on myself, which is probably a good thing. That's not really a bad thing. Um, like, for example, for my birthday this year, I asked for thesauruses for my students. <laughs> um, speaking of, uh, speaking of, there is a link in the show notes. Uh, I'll get uh, Megan to forward me the appropriate ones. Oh. Uh, if you are so inclined and uh, you're interested in throwing a few bucks uh, to a good cause, Megan has made a, a delightful birthday wish, not for herself, but for her students. You are, and I th- believe we've mentioned it on the show before, you are involved in adult education. And uh, those folks need books in particular. They need simple things like thesauruses. Yes. Yeah. So I, um, I actually find this is this is just a personal thing. I prefer thesauruses over dictionaries just myself. Like I really feel like I can get a better sense of a word when I look at other words that people think mean the same thing rather than a complicated definition of the word. Um and so I I know I I imagine there are English teachers out there like what? You that's not the same. No, I can't possibly. Well, sorry, y'all. I think <laughs> I think a nice list of synonyms can actually give you a better sense of not just the denotation, but the connotation of a word, the literal and usage kinds of senses of it. So anyway, 
So my the school where I work does not have thesauruses. We only have dictionaries. And so when I do um, like look up kind of activities, like when we uh, before we read a story, we'll go through and everybody looks for words they don't know and we find some and then we look them up. I would like to have some thesauruses where you can also look them up and not only dictionaries. I think, well, and I mean, look, a good thesaurus will have at least like a brief uh, yeah. uh, definition yeah, 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 yeah. as part of the, yeah. like as the beginning of it. So Yeah, and the ones the I put on my worlds. Amazon wish list are the, um, it's a dictionary thesaurus combo. So it's not, it's not without actual definitions also, but, but yeah. I, I mean, I actually think thesauruses are more useful for looking up words than you know, I, I don't think using thesauruses heavily to write is actually actually makes for very good writing. Well, and it again, for someone that's not exposed to the idea of expressing themselves with variety, you know, like I grew up, Megan, we've talked before about I, I come from a very rural area and a very an area that is um, sort of like thick with this unease at education uh mm-hmm. like a distrust mm-hmm. of book learning <laughs> you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and and so like p- part of that to me growing up was this feeling that anyone who used lots of words was doing so for show or mm-hmm. to to sort of like pat themselves on the back at how much they know and that like i've i've been a victim of that myself and I try to have a fairly wide vocabulary vocabulary I was well read as a kid and because of that it comes sort of comes out naturally sometimes and people have said oh, you know why to use a 10 cent word when a nickel one would work fine and and my point is I long to be understood like perfectly if I could brain meld with you I would I can't <laughs> but I can use the precise word I mean you know, uh, exhausted, not just tired. Yeah. That's a different, it means a different thing. Totally. Totally. Yep. Let's, let's transition slightly into our topic. (laughs) You had a pretty good day, I'm assuming. I mean, I want, I wondered, do you really want to record with me on your birthday? But you said, you know, no, it'd be kind of a fun end of your day. Yeah. Um, let's talk about somebody who didn't have a good day. (laughs) Didn't have a good couple of days. In (laughs) fact, uh, my buddy and yours, or maybe not so much anymore, uh, Drew Brees, the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, first and foremost. But also shoot yourself into the moon, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> first and foremost, uh, again, for context, in case you're kind of hopping on midstream here, you and I, Megan, both live in Louisiana, and uh, you in particular are still an avid Saints fan. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I am, like many people who are progressives, um, a conflicted football fan. Um, I was not a football fan until I was in my late twenties and I moved to Louisiana and I was this like weird lefty progressive hippie, um, who didn't have anything to talk to anybody about. (laughs) And I realized like, if I just, I realized everybody was talking about football all the time. And I was like, if I just keep my eye on the scores and like know who won, uh, I'll probably have something to talk to people about. And it was just downhill from there. So for the past, I don't know, decade, I've been uh, progressively more and more of a Saints fan. Um, I love them. 
I also hate football and I hate what it does to people's brains and I hate the NFL and I hate everything about it, but I also love them and I can't stop loving them. I can't quit you, New Orleans Saints. But they are and have been problematic. Very, uh, in lots of ways. I mean, this, the Saints organization in particular, at the NFL at large, uh, football players in general. In general, yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, athletes in general, really. Yep. If we want to, athletes in general are a segment unto themselves. But uh, so I did a not exactly the same tour that you did, but sort of similar. Uh, I grew up around football, but my dad was not like an avid football watcher. He was uh, more of a baseball fan and a basketball fan. My aunt was a diehard basketball fan, much less so football. My grandfather kind of hates everything except basketball, uh, baseball and boxing. So those were the sports that I was exposed a lot to growing up. When I got to college, the group of friends that I was with were Avid Saints fans especially, but they loved any of the NFL. And so we would get together early on Sunday. I say early, you know, 1030 or 11 o'clock on Sunday before the game started. And we would hang out and drink and eat and, and hang out all day long watching the games and shooting the breeze and just enjoying ourselves. It was great. And over the course of like one season, I went from having the barest of grasps of the sport itself to actually knowing quite a lot about the game and being able to converse with anybody about it, but also like actually being interested in the contest. I, I, I like to follow the sport. I got really involved in fantasy football about that same time. And for like 12 years or 13 years, I played in the same fantasy football league with a group of folks, a group of guys. It was the only way that we actually hung out and talked to each other basically was around this fantasy football league. And, and I think I don't know that I've told it on this story, but I know I've told it online before. I was living in New Orleans at the time that the Saints won the Super Bowl. It was a magic year. It was the year that my marriage fell apart. Like literally the day that I realized I was probably facing a divorce was the day that the Saints played the first playoff game. <laughs> I, I've joked many, many times. You're very welcome, everybody who's a Saints fan. You've got me to thank for that Super Bowl win. God was doing me a favor. He was throwing me a solid. Um so, but, but it was, it was a, like a really special part of my life. That Saints Super Bowl win, especially, figures heavily into the mythology of Joel. So, when I made the decision just a few years later, it was the, it was the year that the Ray Rice uh, video came out where he had attacked his, I think, fiance at the time. I don't believe they were married. I think they are now uh, in an elevator. That video came out and it was clear that the NFL knew about it. They knew the severity of it and had done not everything to ensure that justice was served or that Ray got the help that he needed to stop this behavior or that that woman got the help that she so clearly needed for continuing to align with a man who would treat her that way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. None of those things were addressed. The culture of domestic violence in uh, the sport. None of that was worried about. It was like, how can we cover our asses and make sure that this doesn't look bad for the league? And then they did all of the wrong things again and again and again throughout that entire incident. And I just said in the preseason, you know, I'm done. I'm done. I'll watch Saints games because the Saints are the Saints, but I'm I'm not going to play fantasy football anymore and, I, and I'm not going to follow the sport like I did. And so I, I gave up all of that up and I, and I dropped it like pretty much cold turkey it turned out 
feeling that way and making that decision soured the Saints games for me too. And by the end of the season, I wasn't even watching the Saints. And so the next year, I didn't watch any at all. And I haven't, I haven't spent even a minute on the NFL since then. Wow. Now, having said all of that, when this Drew Brees story came out, and what we're talking about is Drew Brees uh, was the spokesman, the front person, the, the, the face for a new campaign from Focus on the Family uh, to encourage uh, Christian students, um, elementary children. and secondary, yeah, children, Christian elementary and secondary students to bring their Bibles to school and to proselytize, to, to speak to their friends about their faith. Now, I've had a couple of people in my life say, well, you're going to get mad about taking your Bible to school. I am not, in fact, mad about people taking their Bible to school. I wish more people would actually read their Bible as opposed to <laughs> quoting me something that somebody else told them comes from it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. what what I do think is, I do think there is a line when you send your child particularly young children who are not at an age of accountability, they, they can't have made a personal decision of faith. This is just about parroting what their parents have said. Just like when I was in second grade and, and we took the day off to watch the inauguration of George H.W. Bush, I was telling all my friends, Nana Nana Boo Boo, we beat Dukakis. I didn't know who Dukakis was, but I'd heard my father say that. And so I was repeating it on the playground. It's the same thing with proselytization. And what it encourages, since, again, the kids don't know any better, is othering, right? Mm -hmm. You, mm -hmm. I go to a Christian church, and you go to a Christian church, and Susie goes to a Christian church, but Ahmed doesn't go to a Christian church. Mm -hmm. Juan doesn't go to church with us. He goes to that Catholic church. Mm -hmm. uh, Elise doesn't go to any church at all. What's that about? Uh, you know, and... There's there's no reason to first of all there's no reason to encourage that but very specifically going back to what we talked about in the last episode you're supposed to be barred from encouraging encouraging that in a public institution of education absolutely like, what the hell for good reason it protects people it keeps people from being harmed even if this wasn't focus on the family if this was a uh, an organization that uh, was I, I mean. The reality is this doesn't tend to come from uh, from progressive Christian organizations for a very good reason, because we tend to be at the very least ecumenical, but usually respectfully interfaith, um, at least, though we make mistakes also and mess up and have problems. But but yeah, this this is not even if it wasn't focused on the family. It's not really okay to be sending your kids to do I, I I mean I just I just don't think it's acceptable to have children proselytize. I also have a slightly different reading on the great commission than a lot of people, so that is my own personal bias, but I don't want my kid proselytized to. You know, and he goes to church. So I certainly am bothered by the idea of uh Muslim kids or Buddhist kids or Jewish kids or atheist kids being because proselytization is bullying. So being bullied for my faith, like absolutely not. It makes me so mad. So no. So even if Drew Brees had not uh, caucused with 
or acted as a spokesperson for the uh, the focus on the family, which is also the Family Research Council. They're both James Dobson's little toys. Um, even if he had just said, like, well, I really want kids to bring their Bible to school and talk to other kids about Jesus. So I'm going to bankroll this thing myself and make make a make a thing myself with my billions of dollars. Even if he'd done that, it would still be a problem because this is not good policy. But the fact that he did it with focus on the family makes it a huge problem because they are bad. They are. Please put them into a rocket and shoot them into the sun. Bad. <laughs> uh, they are. They are very, very bad. And and that. So that was, in fact, my line. And that's what I told people. I said, listen, I know that Drew is an evangelical. He's open about his faith. This is not news. He's been open about his faith. I'm not surprised that he thinks this type of behavior in schools is good. I wouldn't have been surprised. Heck, I wouldn't have even been mad if he had decided to run a campaign like this, as you said, like with his church. Let's say his mm-hmm. local church had decided, hey, let's start a video. We've got Drew. Why don't we use him for a video campaign to do this thing? Mm-hmm. And again, my argument always goes back to, well, turnabout is fair play. Can the Muslim kids mm-hmm. bring their Qurans to school and tell your kid about the five pillars of Islam? Is that okay? Are you excited about that? <laughs> Can a New Orleans saint make a video suggesting it since he is also of the Islamic faith? Is that Would that be kosher for you? Would that be okay? Would that be kosher? Uh, that was or would you be angry? Or <laughs> no, would I you like- be angry about that? Yeah. <laughs> I like the slightly Freudian slip there. It's you no, know, it's a very Freudian slip. So, so see, there's one of those, there's one of those places where I screw up. Like that's not, that's not my word. I don't, I don't, no, I, I, I use I it because you. I, I feel like it gets closer to what I mean by saying a thing sometimes. But it's not. That's cultural appropriation in my, in my own little terrible way. So, it, here's my deal. I was already, I was like, yeah, look, it is what it is. Drew is who he said he was for a long time. Why is anybody surprised? And and I really hadn't got my feathers ruffled because to me, th- the first volley of this stunk no worse, in my opinion, than, than Drew's stance on All Lives Matter mm-hmm. when some of his teammates were protesting. You know, the way that he threw them under the bus was absurd in my opinion and went beyond politics or religion and those are your those are your teammates like what are you doing you can't stand up for somebody and their own ability to self-express um but so i was fine with all of that the thing that pissed me off though megan was when he doubled down when finally confronted with the backlash he comes out and blames the media for pointing out what kind of an organization focus on the family is, which what is one of the things I think you were beginning, you were going to lay out a few of the uh, issues that you personally have with them. But like, that's the deal. You've, you've had some great articles that go, Hey, maybe you don't know because what, why, why are we mad that Drew wants to tell little white kids that they can take their Bibles to school and tell people about Jesus? Why would we be upset about that? Well, let me tell you what else this organization tells little white kids to go do. So they so focus on the family is um, among lots of other things. They are aggressively far right wing socially. So they don't believe in gay marriage. They do. I mean, th- things that are, I guess, not surprising. They don't believe in gay marriage. They don't believe in gay adoption. Um, they don't believe in just gay people being allowed to be gay. 
they don't believe, obviously, in abortion. That's no surprise. But they also do believe in conversion therapy, which is incredibly damaging. Every major psychiatric, psychological, and medical body has said, absolutely not. You cannot pray the gay away. It is dangerous. It causes suicides. That is not an okay thing to do to children, for God's sake. It's not okay to, for adults, but doing that to children? Oh, so I also, you know, I'm partly I'm just like slightly suspicious just because if you're a billionaire, like you get to choose who you align yourself with. Like, do you not have Google at your house, Drew Brees? <laughs> yeah, not just get to choose. You don't need to be a zillion kajillionaire. You just got to Google, focus on the family. You can read their Wikipedia article and it talks about the controversies, or at least the the larger ones. I mean, you can choose whether, and you don't get to say, okay, well, I'm aligned with focus on the family, and I don't believe in some of what they believe in, but do believe in this. And it's like you couldn't find anybody else who believes in that and you wanted to work for them instead. Like you you with the most resources that any human being could possibly have. <laughs> you have every bit of privilege, every you have every uh resource, every every dollar you would need to do something and you couldn't pick something better. And then when you got called out on it, it was, oh, the big bad media is bullying me. You aren't some poor schmuck on the street corner. You're a gazillionaire who's one of the most powerful men in sports who has, you know, God knows how much money. He's obviously invested in a whole lot of businesses. He's, I don't know. It's, I just, I still like the Saints. I mean, I don't have to <laughs> like the dude to, to, to like football. If anything, it's probably actually easier to like football when you don't like them because you know what's happening inside their heads as they're getting knocked into by the other team. I uh, yeah, no, I can I can hear that. <laughs> I, I actually I can understand that. I really can. Um, so, I you're. It's not just that he that he gets to choose and that he could have chosen a different organization. But you're right. Drew Brees is one of the most highly paid athletes in the NFL. He's one of probably the top 10 most well-known, mm -hmm. which would make him in the top 50 at least most well-known athletes in America. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that is an incredible place of power and authority and opportunity. And no decision that he makes is done flippantly. No decision that he makes is done without heavy consideration by, again, maybe it's not literally Drew that is making these decisions, but it's somebody on his team. It's mm -hmm. like these are not happening by happenstance. The investments that he makes of, of dollars and time, which includes the endorsement. When you put your name on something, that is an investment in that product, and you are expecting a return of some sort. Drew was not expecting this return. Mm -hmm. And he's <laughs> mad because he got called out. So he's doing what every like mediocre white man, and yeah, I just called Drew Brees a mediocre white man. He can be the best, like, he can be like a literal, like, rifle sniper with a football but he's still just a guy with a bad hairline and you know and he isn't as smart as he thinks he is 
<laughs> absolutely so, right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> anyway, so despite being the greatest of all time quarterback, he is still in his heart of hearts, just a mediocre white guy, and he is falling upward, and he's mad that he got called out because he knows he should have known better, and instead of saying, damn, you're right, I should have known better. That was bad of me. I should have looked deeper. I should have realized how this will affect people. Honestly, because of my privilege and because of my sheltering, I didn't know about the gay teenage uh, death by suicide rates. I didn't know that conversion therapy is a thing. I didn't know that it was a problem because I've just been my white hetero sheltered self my whole life and i didn't know and yeah i feel dumb for it and here i'm gonna go um do something good you know drew has he did a video for the it gets better foundation he has a legitimate fallback to be able to say yeah no i do care about gay teens but instead it was oh the big bad media is coming to get me (laughs) dude own it yeah yeah i well and that's the that's the key so that's the lesson for me, Megan, is that when you make mistakes, it's funny, you tweeted earlier tonight uh, as we're recording this, you know, the post about uh, you get more conservative as you get older. And then it's the three <laughs> parts of your life, what I thought at 16, what I thought at 26, what I thought at 36. I did a lot of terrible things in my life and I've thought a lot of terrible things in my life. Uh, you know, the, the, the intelligent, the poetic quote on this is when you know better, you do better, yeah. right? Yeah. But that is true, and we should adopt that in our own lives. But part of that is admitting that we know better and that we're doing better now. You don't have to – it feels like we have to live in this place where I've, I'm always right and I'm always correct and I can't admit any defeat or or issues. I think it's one of the problems with our current – batch of candidates even even the ones that i really love like elizabeth warren for instance we give her all of this baggage because of a few weird moves early in her you know either public political career period or specifically this current run for president everybody gives her issues over the dna test but like i man she had a weird hand that she was dealing with we all have this complete anomaly that is donald trump to work around she's doing the best she can with what she's got and you know what when she overstepped when she made a bad play by uh uh, pulling the tribe into this she owned up to it and moved off like she did though i will say that a lot of native american voices are saying that no she didn't do enough and i think we have to listen to them and and say that we're not the ones who get to decide if we did it. Mm, that's true. And so too. if I hear like a bunch of I mean, I don't even there's there's no one Native American voice. There's no one uh, gay voice. There's no one. Obviously, people are every group is a whole bunch of different voices. But I'm not hearing like a great deal of like, well, that's a good apology. And that's the sort of apology that that uh large numbers of prominent voices can get behind like no i'm not hearing that at all i'm hearing a bunch of people be like dude why are you doubling down um whereas elizabeth warren at least there are people saying okay well this is good enough for me and there are people saying it's not good enough for me and that's um i i think we just have to listen i mean that's and decide what's good enough for us and for ourselves and what is a deal breaker and what's not and um and some things may not and also People are not going to be perfect, you know, ever. <laughs> I wish they were. I wish we all, you know, we all are st- 
driving to perfection, backsliding to glory, as we say. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's not a realistic goal. So harm reduction is often the point. Um, and I think it, it's funny. It's a common accusation of those on the right, of those on the left is, oh, well, you just want to feel guilty all the time. Like, no, <laughs> I don't actually think guilt is a particularly constructive emotion. I think and I try not to not to let myself sort of mire in that at all if I can help it. Um, but I think it's OK to say that I'm not perfect and I'm trying to be more, <laughs> you know, trying to get there. Yes. Like and know I... that I'm not. I'm not going to. I am a... As Martin Luther said, we are all simultaneously 100% sinner and 100% saint. <laughs> that's a weird tension to have, but that's where we are. It's um it's uh it's the I think it's Oscar Wilde, right? Uh we are all in the gutter. Some of us are looking at the stars. <laughs> that's right. Oscar Wilde, Martin Luther, same basic. <laughs> <laughs> a little Maya Angelou, you get it all yeah, when you come right. to backsliding to glory. That's right. Uh, except Dobson. We don't quote Dobson no. here. No, <laughs> no. We put Dobson into a rocket and we send him into the sun. <laughs> um, <coughs> yeah. I choked on his name, apparently. Yeah, well, that's, see, that's, do you see what Dobson did? He's trying to kill my co-host. See? Megan, I, uh, I, that's the, that's what I want people to think about this week is I want you to think about places where you've been wrong. And it's, again, it's not about wearing it like a burden. It's not about feeling sorry for yourself. It's not about, um, uh, feeling sad or depressed. That's the conservatives talk about social justice warriors. They think we're all, uh, you know, at home, uh, lashing our backs with the cat of nine tails or something like <laughs> right, that's not right. what it's about. It's joyous over here, folks. We, we got, yeah, we got we weed and fun. booze most of the yeah, time, honestly. Woo! Uh, but, but so not my point so is, much. I'm a yeah, well, but, I didn't mean, but I like the idea of it. Yeah. I didn't mean <laughs> literally us. I meant, you know, our party. Um, but, but the, the point is not, the point is not chastisement. The point is not to live under personal punishment or, um, <clears throat> you know, some penance. It is, though, to remind us of our responsibility. If you have something, we're supposed to share it. We're literally called, if we have two coats, we're supposed to give one away. That is literally what our master, our rabbi, has taught us. And if we don't do that, if that's not fundamental to who we are, then I don't know what any of this is for. Like, I really don't. Yep. So anyway, do so that. I think of it more as a as an opportunity to kind of shed. <laughs> yes. Shed off the, like, think of it as like a scratching post. <laughs> you can just go scratch it and get those fingernails nice and sharp. <laughs> not all jaggedy on the edges like you're a cat. Uh, that is a very involved metaphor there so i apologize <laughs> but yeah it's a it's a it's more like a i mean you could think about it if you wanted to be religious about it you could think about sort of these processes of learning and forgiving other people forgiving yourself and holding yourself to account as purifications as sort of ritual like okay i just gotta wash this off start again forgive myself forgive other people forgive as i have been forgiven um and and do the work. It is the one thing that I like about the concept of confession. I don't believe mm-hmm. I, I I believe our 
priest, our confessional priest is uh, eternal and ever present. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that I need to go to the booth. But at the same time, the ritual of confession and the way that it is wrapped up with the reminder that as you are forgiven, you are to forgive. I think that is, um, it's very beneficial. And again, I'm literally unloading. I'm taking those sins, those transgressions, those bad ideas or, or you know, wrong paths that I've followed, and I'm leaving them there with the priest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can do that even if you don't physically go to the booth, folks. That's that's what we're telling you I forgot you today. You're, a, you're a Wesleyan. See, I am of the Reformed tradition, the Calvinists. We do group confession in church every week. Do we you really? Say, I th- yeah, we, it's part of the thing. We have a we have a spoken um, prayer of confession, and then we take a silent, I don't know, thirty seconds, minute, and just kind of think about all our sins. It's the only time of silent prayer, uh, I think, mostly, unless we specifically have a silent prayer for someone or something. But we stop, we think, spill it all out to God, and then we have another group prayer where we thank the Lord for being forgiven, and then we sing a. Uh, one uh, so, the traditional thing you sing after it is the Gloria Patri, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, amen. So we sing either that one or a modern version of that one. So it's a confession and then rejoicing that we have been forgiven. See, I could really. Get, I th- I can get behind that. Favorite things about reformed worship. Maybe I'm reformed. Maybe I just didn't know. It's all right. I mean, there's lots that I like about Wesleyans too. It's one. It's a very subtle difference, and it's one that you might not notice unless you're a theology nerd. You know, I think most people who would like go to a Methodist service and go to a Presbyterian service would be like, "Yeah, that was about the same." Um, That little thing is a is a reformed tradition thing, and I'm no huge fan of Calvin, but I do like that confession as a group. Just standing there before God and just laying it out. I like it. I like it too. Uh, all right. I'm going to go lay it out in front of the yeah. Lord this Good. evening. Uh, I hope that you have a uh, positive week for yourself. I hope you do some good for your community. Thank I hope you. you think about the things that uh, you could do better and that you do them better oh, this Oh, wait. Week. You mean them, not me. <laughs> well, you too. <laughs> me you too. too. I was like, you're right. I should do something positive for my community. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you already are, ma'am. Uh, do something positive for yourself. Remember, it's your birthday. That's right. Uh, Megan, tell them where they can find you online. I am at Megan Romer. Don't follow me unless you like swearing. (laughs) Uh, I am at The Rogue's Life on Twitter. Uh, Don't follow me unless you like politics. And very, very soon, the NBA, because that is happening as well. Uh, Speaking of, Megan, I've made my... attention to basketball. It's so hard for me to get into. I'm trying. This is the year, maybe. I made my official official, uh, pitch to you the other day online. Uh, You know, I, I know it is complicated for you as a progressive being an NFL fan. The NBA is not perfect by any regards, but the coaches especially and the management, they're two, three decades ahead. Even the player base is the only issue, honestly, that you still have a lot of – you got to be careful about who you're a big fan of in the NBA if you uh, don't want to be a fan of homophobes because there are still quite a few of those. Also, there's sort of an issue. They trade, like, way more than anybody else trades. So, like, I feel like if you kind of – fall in love with a player like odds are good that you're gonna be a fan of 15 different teams in the next four seasons 
that is so the NBA is very much about having a couple. Of, so what you do is you have a few teams. So you have oh. like your hometown team. So like we're from Louisiana, so we root for the Pelicans. Pelicans, sure. Yeah. But then also you get two or three others. It's like okay. uh, it's like the NBA league pass. You know, they, oh, okay. when you buy the league pass, they tell you to pick four teams. They mean right, it. Right. Pick, pick three okay. or four teams. Okay. So it's not like the NFL where it's like, all right, if you're gonna be a Saints fan, you have to hate the Falcons. You have to loathe the Cowboys, and you inexplicably have to hate the Seahawks, even though I don't think anybody ever actually told me why we hate them so much, but we do. We hate the Seahawks. Okay. So there's a couple of those. Like, for instance, if you're a Pelicans fan, you probably hate the Hawks in Atlanta, but that has more to do with your Saints uh, uh, um, uh, Falcons fandom than... Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. just about New Orleans versus Atlanta. Yeah, right. there, there are only a couple of those, honestly. Even okay. the, you know, I mean, if you're a Lakers fan, you're definitely going to hate the Celtics. But also, okay. if you're a fan of one of those big teams, you probably don't have a lot of secondary teams. Like you probably gotcha. just like the Lakers. Gotcha, uh, gotcha, gotcha. So anyway, there's your so NBA like you're the primer. Fan of like, can I also be a fan of the Brooklyn Nets? Is that the Brooklyn team? <laughs> I feel like that's a fun backup team because they also don't win anything. <laughs> it's like it's like mixing your reformed with your Wesleyan. It's totally fine. You just throw a little of Perfect. it together yeah, and yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. make you a theological stew. It's it'll be great. Yeah. Okay. Great. I'm in. Squeak, squeak, squeak. Here I am. Hey, uh, just a word, by the way, about the feed in case you've noticed any weirdness as a subscriber. We did move media hosts this past week. Uh, we, we're on a uh, new place called Captivate. Very, very cool service. Uh, and we also have a new logo uh, by the time you're listening to this. Um, so let us know what you think about that. And then uh, also, if you know somebody who might enjoy this podcast and joining our community on Facebook, share the show with a friend this week. That's my homework for you. Yeah. People always do that thing. They're like, I'm going on a road trip. I need podcasts. You tell them about us, all right, friend? Yes. Yes, exactly. And uh, until we talk to you again, we have been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Megan. And we are Backsliding to Glory. If you know someone who would enjoy Backsliding to Glory... Please share the show with them today and send us your comments and feedback backsliding to glory at gmail.com or find us on Twitter backslide to glory. <laughs>